non-duality is really a statement, and that statement is a negation. That's all it is. So non-duality means not to. So it's a pure negation. It's not an affirmation of anything, nor does it lend itself to point at anything after it negates the one. It's just saying that there's no two. Yes? Now, our whole life here, as it's being interpreted by, by a mental condition, is of two-ness. Yeah? To the most basic condition, which is you and me, subject and object. Yes, In this experience right now, I see you as an object. Yes? So, I'm the subject. I'm the one who feels like it's seeing you. And right where you are, you're the subject, and I've been objectified. Yeah? It's happening this whole time. So, where there's the feeling of seeing coming through this, yes? Which, let's just say, the seeing represent, will represent it with the word I, the letter I. So, let's say all there is is I looking out of all these different U's, yes? Yet, every U believes it's what's looking. Yeah. So the I, which is purely what's going on through everyone's head, is claimed to be a, a specific, special I. Yeah. And it's really you could term it me. Me captures it better. So the I, the attribute of consciousness of seeing, of feeling, of hearing, tasting, touching. Yeah. That's the conscious contact of life. So consciousness is what's in contact with what we call life. Yeah? Through these certain gates of the body, five gates, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching. It's not defined by those five gates. If you had 20 gates, there would be 20 gates of consciousness going out and having different experiences, different senses than the five we're saddled with. Uh, other animals have different senses. Yeah? Whales and you know, dolphins see by hearing. Yes? Other things see by smelling, like dogs, they're seeing, they're getting tons of information through the smelling, and most of our information is from seeing, yes? So it's, it's, it's not, the consciousness isn't defined by the vehicle or by the faculty it's moving through. It's all there is is consciousness. And it's coming out in a certain way to produce certain experiences. So you hear something, you feel something, you taste something, you smell something. And then you think about something, too, is one of the gates that Buddhism came up with, the sixth gate. So the, the consciousness is, is hearing thoughts, yeah? Well, the mind is hearing thoughts, but the thoughts are still things, yeah? Subtler things, but they're things. So conscious contact is flooding through. Just, we'll give it a basis thing, so you understand somewhat what we're saying. So conscious contact is flooding through this event. And we're like the camera locations for it. All these U's, yes? So you're seeing life from a certain location. So the seeing isn't locatable, but it's seeing through something that's locatable, the body. Yeah? So you can't say the seeing is in the body, it's moving, let's say, through the body. The seeing would be like a vast space, yes? All there is is that. And then it moves through these certain camera locations to produce an experience. It's not experiencing anything as that. It experiences through coming through this. Yeah? This is a realm of experience. What we're talking about isn't an experience. It's something prior to experience. Yeah? So, all right. So now you want to call it spirit or consciousness. It moves through the body and it experiences itself as other. Yes? So you, we're seeing appearances of mind. You may not believe that, but let's just say like here, uh, I don't know if I used this last night or whatever, it doesn't matter. But Alright, so here's this wall. Yeah? Now, if we tore that wall down, would you have to get a, a piece of space that fit that size of that wall to replace the emptiness that wall produced? Or is the wall appearing in space? So if you knock down the wall, there's no addition or subtraction. There's just the space that was always there. Because there's not that thing that we're seeing in the space taking our attention. There's just the space. There wasn't any lack of space. This never took any space up. It's appearing in space, yes? This is the same as this, in a way. It has a different job, but it's the same as this. And this is appearing in space. 
So these bodies are appearing in space. Space and mind are what I'm, are similar to what I'm talking about, the big M mind. Yeah. So that would be where everything is issuing from, and when that mind moves through this apparatus, it produces a consciousness. Yeah? So now we have human consciousness. That's a little different than certain animal consciousness. And, and in a way, we get lim- the consciousness in its experience gets limited by what it's moving through. Like our spectrum of seeing light is very short and different than other animals. They see a lot more light. Yeah? Stay, same, same seeing, but through a different camera, it, the whole world looks different. The animals or cats don't see what we think, the color we see and stuff like that. So this is what's going on. It's producing experience. All right, so the eye is looking out of each one of you, us, and this is a you, yes? But the mental process, which is that, that mind moving through a brain, a mental process, a lot of them get produced, and one of them is the process called selfing, yes? The process of selfing produces a sense of being a self. And my idea of that is the sense of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body. Yes? Not having a body, you may think that, but it's, it's, it's an identification as a body. So this sense of self wasn't uh, happening strongly, at least, when we were all babies, as a baby. You know, the baby doesn't have a sense of self for maybe 16 months before and it's funny because some research says that sense of self coincides with the language center of the brain firing. So language is very important in the upkeep of a sense of self. Yeah? In other words, you have to be thought about to be remembered quite a lot as a body. It's just the way it goes. It's just, see, we're at the end of a lot of work. A lot of work is producing this seeming reality. <laughs> And, and it's all great and good if everyone was happy and, you know, skipping and doing things out here. But how we're seeing things is producing a lot of suffering in a lot of people. And then sometimes the suffering in one person seems to be put upon other people as some form of exploiting or something like that. And it can go on and on and on. And a lot of people are quite uneasy or irritable or restless. They're not feeling that great. And so they want, they're looking for something else, you know. Unfortunately, they're defined by how they look, so what they really need, they're never going to find, because you can't find it by looking. You can find your keys by looking, you can find some money by looking, you can find some water by looking, but you can't find what you are by looking. Why? Because you're it. You're that. You're that excludes you having an experience of yourself. Being what you are cannot be experienced by what you're not. It's an impossibility. It's never going to be offered. There's no possibility that could ever happen. No, let's just go, let me rush, you know, riff, and then you can go ask questions. Because I'm going to, we're going to cook a little souffle here, yeah? You'll get the aroma, and then the oven will be open. And, yes, yes, yes. I know the feeling. I've been with it for quite a while, and it's, yeah, it vibrates quite well. So, this idea of the eye coming through all of us, same I, is sort of hijacked by the mental process that I deem selfing, and it takes, it takes the qualities of that I and attributes it to the body, and, but makes it special and calls it me, yes? So like I was at a meeting of recovery a couple of weeks before I left, and a lady was, and it was a, it's a common expression, you know, I am so obsessed with myself, all I do is think about me all day. And you know what? I think everyone else is thinking about me all day. And it was sort of true, but not how she meant it. She thought every one of you were thinking about her me, but every one of us are thinking about a me. Yeah? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's really, we're in a, we're not in really a self-centered state. The self-centered state is the basic format, the stock version. And the specialness that it doesn't have, but we attribute to it when we claim it me. It's like the little emblem of a Ferrari you put on a Ford, but it's still a Ford. It runs like a Ford, smells like a Ford, but you think it you're a special Ferrari. <laughs> Except from all the other rules, all the, all the Fords are under. <laughs> that things should be happening different to you just because it's you. <laughs> but not you, but just because it's really me. 
Yeah? I exempt myself from you and all the other you's by the crowning of this little idea called me. It's totally a false kingdom with a definitely a false god and something that's plain god that has no power. You know what I mean? So it's wielding its own dominion, but it can't affect anything really. No one's going to listen. You know, people aren't going to do what I want them to do. <laughs> Usually, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but that's the frustration because it thinks it has power. But it doesn't, you know, like if you're in recovery, I don't know if any of you are, yeah, all right, so in recovery, there's an important statement in recovery, many of them, but one of them I really like is, was, we have a third step that really can assist someone who's in this sort of condition of trying to manage their lives, yes, with no power. Because it's a very difficult situation to be in. Because you stubbornly keep forgetting that you have no power. We call it the dilemma of powerlessness. And actually, the dilemma is, is you don't think, you think you have power. That's the only dilemma. The real solution is when you admit your powerlessness, that's when you have a lot of power flowing. But when you're exerting power you don't have, you experience powerlessness, which is frustration, disappointment, getting resentful because it's not going your way and you can't see why. You just cannot figure it out because you're under a very strong assumption you should be able to get what you want and make this person do what you want because they'll be happy if I'm happy. <laughs> and it's a very stubborn delusion. It's incredible, incredibly stubborn delusion. So this mental process producing this sense of being a, a special someone, a me, giving that me the attributes of consciousness, but defined as an action the body's doing, you see? So now, when seeing is noted, because you're aware, you, will, you know when you're seeing something, you know, you know when you're hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, the, the interpretation of that lovely event of conscious contact will be, will be interpreted as, I'm the one who's seeing, yes? And what I'm seeing. So it's the see or seeing gets emphasized and you lose the living on this of life. Yeah? So quickly or slowly, you get embedded in a mental interpretation and it starts producing a dis-ease, an irritability, restlessness, a malaise, or whatever you want to call it. But something stinks in Denmark, so to speak. And you're trying, you can't, but it's you, so you can't see you know, you're blaming everything else and every time, you know, the, it's like a serial murder and then they're, they're, on, they're on the case and they're following the serial murder's, uh, murder's little clues and then they come into a place and the, the other investigator says, isn't that your jacket? And you're like, well, you, can't, you still don't get that you're at, the sort, you're at the center of the whole crime. It says, you think it's doing, being done to you or something, but really, it's you. You're the killer. <laughs> and the beautiful news, it isn't you. That's the real beautiful news. That's really what it is. So, this selfing takes the attributes of this I I'm talking about and gives it to this you and, and then crowns it me. <laughs> and so the me now has an exemption of what works and doesn't work for you. It's, just, <laughs> it's got its own rules which don't work at all, but it just keeps assuming they are. And uh, it's surprised when no one recognizes its great you know, divinity in a sense. You know? So... How this is reinforced, this sense of you, because it's very difficult to have this continual heist of conscious contact and turning it into an interpretation. It happens very quickly, but it does take time. Yeah. It's, just, it's a mental process, and conscious contact is of timelessness. Yeah. It's of timelessness. So, in a sense, the selfing is an afterthought, but it has an incredible way to disguise that, because it tells you a story that you're the one who's conscious, that you're the one who's seeing, that you're the one who's feeling, that you're the one who's tasting. It's assumed that you're the one who's thinking, this incredible subtle process of the brain, thought, you believe you're the thinker. You won't take credit that you're the digester because it's obvious you can't, you're not digesting your food or you're not the shitter because you can't shit when you want help a lot of the times. They, you're not pumping your own blood, you're not beating the heart. But the subtlest, the, one of the subtlest processes of the body-brain, you take to be the doer of, yeah? And that doer makes you beholden to the thoughts, yeah? 
The thoughts aren't what's driving you crazy. The thoughts are used to drive you crazy based on the idea of being the thinker. Yeah. Your identification as the thinker sets up the strength and the influence thoughts have on you. If you didn't see them as yours, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't be affected as much. I'm telling you. It's happened with me over for many years. So, it's not the feelings, it's the feeler. It's not the thinking where the bondage of self is, it's the thinker. Yeah? It's not definitely not the seeing, it's the seer seeing. Yes? It's not the hearing, it's the, it's the hearer heard. Yes? That's how it bonds us to this idea of self. By a lot of repetition. So if you look at, your, you look at the language, and we shared it last night, the other day, the first day I was in New Jersey on this little tour, someone who had saw me the year before said, oh, you're growing your beard, yeah? So it sounds very innocent that I'm growing my beard, but obviously I'm not growing my beard. The beard will grow as long as I don't shave, yeah? But there I am, oh yes, I'm doing a great job, don't you think? <laughs> yes, I joined a group of beard growers and I'm doing pretty good. I'm in the top of the class. They've taken pictures of mine and using it in their little textbook. Yes, this is how to grow a beard. You know, but see, the language assumes a lot. It's stating a lot and a lot, a lot of times that you have something to do with something you have nothing to do with. Yeah, you're the thinker, you're the doer, you're the da 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 da. da. But if you've been in any form of recovery, FA or AA or NA or anything, if you ever use the twelve steps of AA. The first step is very emphatic that you and I were powerless over alcohol, if you want to say drugs or food, and uh, it, caused, it seemed to be related to the unmanageability. Now, the powerlessness, if you, if you see it as a, uh, it's sort of like if you were dancing with a gorilla, you're going to stop when it wants to stop, yeah? In other words, you don't really have any say of what's going on. You're powerless. So, therefore, you've been removed of that burden of being the doer, in a sense, because something's taking you over and is using you for transportation, and it's acting out its own expression through this opportunity. Yet, the selfing is so stubborn, because the real disease is before the alcoholism. The real petri dish of the disease is self-centeredness, yeah? which is the sense of being the doer, the thinker, the feeler. And even when you start getting recovered from alcoholism, this, the, the tenets of this disease will overrun the, the effects. You'll still be harvesting guilt and shame from those behaviors you thought you did while you were under the influence. You see? Freedom from alcoholism doesn't necessarily lead to freedom from self. And self has a lot of symptoms and a lot of characteristics that alcoholism amplifies, but the alcoholism uh, relief is not going to change that so much. They'll diminish a little, but they're still going to be there. You're still going to be, be thinking you did what happened when you were out there using. Yeah? It's going to be very strong. It's going to produce a sense of discomfort. If someone catches who you did something to do in the past, you'll feel shame and guilt. All resting on that branch of doership. Yes? That's in the disease of self-centeredness. That's not alcoholism. Alcoholism affixes itself to self-centeredness. And it sort of like takes self-centeredness and takes a, an acoustic guitar and makes an electric guitar. Alcoholism or food addiction, whatever, amplifies some of the characteristics of self-centeredness. Yes? But they, it doesn't produce those characteristics. Self-centeredness is the Petri dish there. That's why a lot of people are perplexed when they get relief from alcoholism and yet they're not getting relief from self. Yeah? The selfing is really the root of the problem. It's, and to me, I don't believe that it's obsession with self is the root of the problem in recovery. It's identification as a self is the root of the problem. And the obsession with the self, which is what the head's doing, is how that's reinforced. See, by the mind, mental condition, constantly obsessing over me, and it can't even... It, it, it does it here, but this doesn't give it enough... Uh, fodder to work with so it produces a past and a future so it can just roam thinking about me back then and then in the total realm of what's not happening what could happen to me so it can its fascination with self can expand greatly into the past and future yeah and all of that obsession is to reinforce the identification as yeah 
It can happen, but it can seem to be so to us. And seemingly is a big, important word. Look it up and let it sit, sink in. Seemingly means it appears to be true or false to you. You have a huge role here in this dream. This dream isn't being forced on you. You're the dreaming of it, in a sense. You're actually the dreaming of it. Right where you think you are is what we are, really are, and that is the reality. Through this interface and through this identification as this body, reality is lending itself to things. And we're allowing things to be as real as they can seem to be. And they're biting us in the ass. Yes? Our unreal ass, basically. So identification as self, to me, is it. Yeah? So the identification as self cannot be produced. It can only appear to be so. And it needs a lot of advertising, a lot of reinforcement, and that's the yapping up in one's head. Yes? It's constantly assuming you're this, a body. Every time you think about you in the past, you picture, your mental state, the thought system pictures you as a body. It does not picture you as a spirit. It doesn't picture you as a spirit having a human experience. It pictures you as a body. And when you worry about you in the future, that you picture is pictured as a body in your holographic head. You are seen exactly as this. You may look different than you'd see yourself in a mirror, but it's a body. Yeah, it's an image of a body. The thoughts are about that constantly. Yes? So you remember yourself, let's say, three years ago, but you remember yourself right now. That's the only place an event can occur is now. You worry about yourself three years henceforth, and you're remembering yourself now as what? A body. That is the reinforcement of the bondage of self. It's a mental activity, purely mental activity, that claims to be the one who has the emotional events, the physical events, the circumstantial, situational events, yes? And it's using everything it comes in contact with to reinforce the identification as a self. That's what's happening, yeah? That's the activity of a disease. We were not bonded of self 2003 in Des Moines, Iowa. It wasn't an event. It's a possibility that the mental process is, is presenting in time and then there's the overriding fact of being this that it's trying to cover up by constantly, constantly offering you that invitation to be a self. Yes? The underlying beingness is very difficult to notice because it's always so. Yeah. I use the example of gravity. Most people do not know the effects of gravity. When they walk up that steep hill, they think the hill's doing it. But it's not. It's gravity, yeah? This body's under a large amount of force that we don't know what it really is like because it's always on us. Yeah? The only way you would know gravity, know about it, would be going into an anti-gravity chamber. And by having the experience of its absence, you would know what it was like to be under gravity. That's exactly what A does. It gives you experiences to be out of self, so then you, get, you can get a sense what it really like to be in self. Because when you think you're always in self, you fucking have no idea what it's like. You're taking it to be you. So we need a free sample to get a hit that I may not be that, so that we can recognize what that entails. You know, Because it has a sense, it produces a sense of self but a sense of self of being a historical figure that, that, that seems to be under attack by a lot of different forces, yeah, that thinks it can manage but has no power. It's a very, very extreme dilemma. And to get some relief, you're going to eat. You're going to fucking drink. You're going to try to go to sleep with your best friend's wife. Something. To get some feeling of relief from this loop of self-importance. Yes? So that one illness, self-centeredness, is producing all the other illnesses that we call addictions. Because every one of them is trying to get out of self, basically. When you eat a cake, I imagine you're trying to get out of self, or what you think is your life, or this and that. When I shot dope, it was to try to get out of self. When I drank, it was to try to get out of self. Out of self, out of self, out of self. So the real addiction is that. The mental state's addiction to being a self. Yeah? And then to get relief from that, we try all these other things that are now called addictions, because it can never produce the real relief, so it has to keep on keeping on. It's not going to be one cake. 
It's not going to be one pint of Agandas. It's not going to be one shot of Coke. Because the selfing will just keep re-emerging and re-emerging, offering its idea of you and life to the mind. And the mind will take it in most cases because it truly believes it's about me. Because it's been constantly told in the head that you are the body. So we're trying to get free, we're trying to get to feel free as that which is bonding us, which is, which is the defeat. So the idea, I've seen a lot of people, and in my own life, I wanted to be free, and it was a noble drive, but it was co-opted, and I was trying to be free as a self, not from self. Yeah. It was constantly defeating me, because every time I get to anywhere near freedom, as soon as self claimed it, it wasn't free. It was another way to be bound. To what? The idea of the one who thinks it's free now. Or the one who lost the freedom it once had. Or the one, the one, the one. This is what I'm talking about. This isn't an improvement. It's realizing just to begin, just, just, maybe, let's say you're not the thinker of the thoughts. See how you travel. If maybe that five-minute segment of thoughts, let's say at 9.48 in the morning to 9.48 and 30 seconds later, wasn't you, or wasn't you doing it, or wasn't about you, I bet you you travel lighter with those thoughts. It's not about getting rid of the thoughts. It's about questioning where they're landing, which is the thinker. Yes? Either you're either the thinker or you're what's being thought about. It will take both positions, either the subjecting position, which is I'm doing the thinking, or the object of the thoughts. It will play both those dualistic poles, the mental state, yes? Yeah. It's going to offer its story, its interpretation, quite a lot during the day. But why is it offering it? What is it, it, what is it trying to convince? What is it that it wants, what is it trying to get its, what, what attention is it trying to get? If it, if it was truly you, why would it have to keep thinking of you? It would just be being you. But it isn't you. And the only way it can seem to be you is through thought, because it's not being. It's not what's alive. It's an interpretation of life. Your basic state is being, not mental, not physical, not emotional, not circumstantial and situational. Your basic state is being. Not trying to find completion in and of itself whole, not of time, yes? Not of accomplishment, not of crescendo, not of increase and decrease, not of low tide and high tide. Complete in itself, not of time, no process is necessary. Your initial and inherent state is being. But what happened is a mental state has gotten developed, yes? It's got a loud megaphone. The thought system, it's playing your golden oldies all day. Oh, what about, you know, when that happened to you, and you, and you, and you. It's singing its little love songs to itself, you know what I mean, all day. (laughs) And we're out there buying what it tells us to buy, and you better get another one of those, or I'm going to rip your head off, or you better jump through that hoop and go here and get that. And it's got you going like crazy, you know. Because only because the only way it has dominion over you is that you've given it your power through the identification as. If you're in recovery, there's a beautiful statement on page 64 of the Big Book of AA. I guess all the other programs use the Big Book, or at least that. Big Book of AA. You're not in the area, but you'll get it. You are. All right. So in the Big Book of AA, there's this beautiful statement. The first few pages before, they're talking about how self has defeated us, that no human power is going to be able to relieve you of this idea of self. Yes, it's the killer and da-da-da-da. It's trying to get across the importance of recognizing you're not that. Yeah? So finally says, all right, if you're convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self... Yes, this feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the doer, the haver, that self is what has defeated us. It's a very clear statement. If you're a, you, if you're a big book thumper, this it says it in the book. I guarantee you'll find it on page 64. Being convinced that self, yes, 
this feeling, a sense of being this little action figure body, is what has defeated us. Yeah? So it's just pointed to the seeming culprit, self. And it makes us the perpetrated us. Self defeated us. We're the us. And then there's this idea of self. Yeah? That idea of self, though seemingly only one, has defeated all of us. By its what? Manifestations. In our life. Yeah? In our life. Not its life. It doesn't have one. But in our life. All right? So self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. A very beautiful statement. There's the separation. You're not that. Yeah? You don't have one. You don't have a self. It's not a pet. It's not a second cousin. It's a foreign installment. Yeah. Yes? Yes. Manifested in various ways. Now, if we're convinced of that, let's look at its self. Yeah? Common manifestations. Okay? Just some of the common ones. It has tons of them. Go look at a dictionary. Look up the word self. Then they'll have a hyphen, and they'll have about 90 descriptive adjectives. And if you total them all up, and maybe there's about 160 of them, if you total all them up, about 80% you would call negative, like self-emulation, self-destruction, self-loathing, self-hate, self, 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 self. These are the manifestations of self that has defeated us. Maybe they named 160 of them. And some are good and some are bad. Most of them seem to be what we would call the negative side. Yeah? But a common one. So I said, all right, we're going to look at this common manifestations. Next paragraph, nothing in after this statement. Period. Next paragraph, the first word is resentment. Yeah? So follow the logic. Self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Do you mind if we do it this way? I like no. Alright. Self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Alright, we're convinced of that. Okay, so let's look at his common manifestations. Alright, let's. Alright. First one, resentment. So resentment is a manifestation of self in one's life. Then why are we calling it ours? Our resentment. If it's self's expression through this event, why do we keep calling it our? Because we're in the act of being identified as self. We're taking its manifestations, its expressions, as ours. That's the bondage of self. That's it. Now it's doing a, it's going off incredibly a lot, but that's the basis of it. We're calling its expressions our expressions. How are you going to be free from something that you take yourself to be? How? How could you honestly expect to have freedom from something you're identified as? You'd have to socialize it with people are trying to do, civilize it, therapize it trying to convince it to be nice and not flip out at the next date you have with a beautiful woman or the picnic that you really want to make some, a, good, a good opinion of others on, you know? You know, to please don't fuck this up this time, you know? Trying to beg it, conjole it, I'll buy another jacket I don't need, whatever it is. What the hell do you want from me? You know what I mean? <laughs> this thing, trying to tithe it to it or win it over. But we can't entertain being free from it because we're identified as it. We're stuck with it, seemingly. But we're not. Yeah? That's what happened with me. One year in AA, it dawned on me, I was leading workshops on the fourth step for 19 years, all around the world, in a lot of different countries. I've read that how it works every freaking week. And yet, one week, something had happened to my mind, and I went to read it, and a lot of new meaning downloaded from the same old words. And when I saw that word self, I saw it as a parasitical movement, or, or a foreign installment. And as soon as I recognized it, and I had already recognized it, but now had put word to it, as soon as I saw I wasn't that, the first idea that came up in that head that had never come up was, I can be free from it. As soon as I was released from that delusion of being it, I could entertain being free from it. And I'll tell you, it was a very natural response because it's a damn hostile parasite. It was a
was no big, I didn't have to study, should I want to be free? Could, no, it was like, now I can be free, I want to be free from that. Yeah? And as soon as I opened up the floodgates, by all it needed was to take it not to be me. And that's the end of it. That's when its influence starts to wane. Because it's all your juice it's using in your life to defeat you with. You have to give it all the meaning it has. And you've crowned it a very, very big meaning. You call it me. And it's bigger than the meaning God has. It's bigger than the meaning your wife has or anything else has. That me is not you. It's not even this body. It's a mental parasite called alcoholism. A fixing on the original parasite called self-centeredness. It's as simple as that. And you'll know the problem from the solution. When I started getting radical relief, I saw what self is. And all the information that downloaded about it distilled into one simple statement. I'm not that. Yeah? Emphatically clear, I'm not that. And I don't care how it manifests, I'm still not that. You know? When it brings out its big historical guns, I wasn't that. And when it brings out its future apocalyptic events, I am not going to be that. And I am not it now. And what happened? The freedom from the bondage of self has stabilized for many years now, and I travel what I call lighter. Yeah. So, the mind, the mental condition, has been brought up into a higher state, if you want to call that. And now that state, just like the alcoholic mental state influenced all my experiences, this higher state now influences all my experiences. Yes? And for the better. Yeah. So I don't put much stock in experience anymore, but I put a lot of stock in that state that I am. Yeah? The experiences come and go, but that state that I am does not come and go. The experiences can start really great and sour sometimes quickly, but that doesn't start great and sour quickly. It never, never changes any flavor at all. It's always available at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it because you are it. It's truly reliable. And just like it says in recovery, it asks ourselves a simple question, I think on page 67, it says, why are you in so much fear today? And it doesn't let you answer because the book would have been about four fucking thousand pages of stories. It says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? Simple statement. That's the whole point. Self-reliance has failed us and in the, and in the failing of it, how it expresses is all that fear that we go under every freaking day. And all the mental anxiety that gets produced out of what's not happening. All of that it can be rooted back to the simple Petri dish of the mind relying on self. And you can't rely on anything more than to think you're it. <laughs> That's the most extreme relying on something to become identified as it. And it's a failed system, and it shows its failure in our lives. And all the while it is, we keep blaming ourselves. That's the insanity of it. How It's got the perfect camouflage. This hostile parasite has you convinced you're it. You never even get to the point of thinking of being free from it. You'll spend thousands of dollars to get therapy for it. You know what I mean? You can have tons of therapy for a snake, it's still going to bite you. Yeah? It has its nature. This has a parasitical nature. It doesn't have a life. It's claiming yours through the identification as it. It's using you as transportation. They have these uh, parasite, parasite studies. People send me these studies because I like this use of parasitical movement because that's how it feels, yeah? I had a two-year separation from alcohol and drugs forced on me, really, and I lived in a place. And when I left, it was like uh, that type feeling of possession. Something took me over again. So it's not like it's you. It's something that takes you over and then seems to act like you. Yeah, and every time you're arrested, you're, you're, at the, you're at the end of that, but you're not truly responsible, but you have to be accountable. Yeah, because you've been taken over. You're going to do whatever it wants you to do. For me, unless you could physically stop me, that was basically the only deterrent. Yeah? 
So this parasite, this guy, uh, this journalist has been following all the newest research, and this is very, very common parasite that they give it a shorter name called Toxo. Yeah? Toxo is in the human brain, and it's in tons of animals. And it, ha- it finds, I think, either gestation or, or, or it can procreate only in the body of a cat. Yeah? This is trippy. So, so a lot of the toxo, some of the toxos are found in mice brain and rat brain. And so when a mice that's been taken over by this parasite, and they jack into the mice's brain, just like alcohols and jacks into this one, they jack into the mice and the rat's brain, and when the rat and mice sees a cat, they run towards the cat. The parasite has to get into the cat's belly. It has to override that mouse and rat's basic instinct of preservation to drive it right to the opposite place that cat or mouse, a rat or mouse would want to go to, the cat. Is this true? It's true. And then they, they, the cat eats them, and then the katox, the uh, parasite, gives birth into the cat's belly for more of itself. There's ones that they do... The one I do, you can see it in your belly. For many people have trouble with that digestion and they run into this thing called candida. You ever hear of candida? Yeah. It's a fungus that's in the human body. It's actually broken out of the, the intestinal tract. It's in the brain and the sinuses. They believe sinus infections could be caused by it, all this shit. Candida is right through our body and it's a living fungus. It's called the king, really. And candida likes a certain fuel. It likes flowery, white flowery pastries and donuts and bagels because it breaks it into sugars and it, that's its fuel. So, but the candida in your gut can't go out to Entenmann's, you know, to get some pastries or some croissants, yeah? It's defined by its location, but it jacks into our brain and it causes a craving or a wanting to have what it wants, Yeah? And while you're going to buy its food, in your self-centeredness, you are telling great stories of how you've loved Entenmann since you were five, and this and that, all dictated by a fungus from your intestinal tract. Yet, the self-centeredness will claim every fucking thing that's expressing through this possibility as I'm the one that's doing it. And make up incredible stories and maybe have a bagel club and, you know, that's that. But the reason why you're eating bagels is this, the candida is producing a craving. Yeah? It's producing a thing because it's limited by, it has no transportation other than you. It can't go to the Entenmann's outlet. It's got to go. It has to have you get there at 2 in the morning. Oh, I, I and yet, it's disguised by our self-centeredness because we'll be listening to the narration. Oh, I love these. I'd do anything with this. I can't do this. It's like, <laughs> I've got another one. We think. You don't think that you're taking over easily? Give me a break. There's mental... There's, Alcoholism is a mental wind or a mental parasite. It plays you, it moves through you like a flute. And if there's thousands of flutes that have been played by the same parasite, the flutes may recognize each other because you'll identify with the same tune that's been played through your life has been played through my life. So when you go to recovery meeting, I do not identify with who you are. I identify with what's taking you over because the same freaking parasite took me over called alcoholism. Yeah? So when we laugh and joke, we all laugh together. A normie would fucking be aghast at some of the things we say. But we seem to identify with each other because we've been taken over by the same tyrant. You, when... It's a possibility. You want real stabilized relief, you have to have the right diagnosis. You can't keep claiming the expressions of, of the parasite of alcoholism as yours and expect to get true relief from it. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Yeah. If you see it clearly, you won't be looking from it. Yeah. If you don't see it clearly, you're going to be looking from it. And then you're going to try to get really clear about everything you look but your first initial glance is distorted. Like in AA, we had that book, A New Pair of Glasses. 
So what, what does AA do? Uh, it, dis- it corrects a distortion of one viewing, yeah? Called self-centeredness. But self-centeredness is taken to be our eyes. They're a pair of glasses. If you actually investigate it and put your hand there, there's, no, there's something there. You can take them off. Self-centeredness is not the only modality available. There are aspects of mind that I would call centeredness that are e- just as easily downloaded as self-centeredness. They have certain symptoms like intuition, a sense of knowing things before something happens, stuff like that, this and that, and even keel directness to go with the way it's going. Acceptance is, a, is, a, is like a byproduct, stuff like that. And then you travel a whole lot different, and the system is centered but not on self. It has no idea of a fucking self. Yeah? And then you can see the difference between the two modalities. Which one would you rather work under? So see what's being used to facilitate your bondage. And it's the thought system, it's the feelings, and it's usually represented by a simple word. Simple word represents all its activity. Put the word money here. Yeah, put the word health, put the word uh, relationships. And we all have a meaning to them right? by looking at them. Money, health, relationships. All right, I'm going to ch- and weigh them, you know. Based on your situation, they would weigh you know, whatever they weigh. Now, let's, I'll change all their weight with one just uh, addition. My money, my health, my relationship. I, always, I would love all of you to have plenty of money, but not, not any of my money. <laughs> it's the same money, but when the my is put in front of it, it means something usually different. The my is the movement of selfing. Selfing claims everything it comes in contact with and stamps it with my. So now you think they're your thoughts, they're your feelings, they're your money, they're your time, da 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 da, and you get bound by everything you think you're the owner or the doer of. You that which you think you own is used to bind you to the idea of being the thinker. You walk into your own trap and then you forget that you're in it. You know the Course in Miracles? Anyone here? Mm -hmm. The beautiful statement in the Course in Miracles that you and I are the dreamer of this dream. Beautiful statement. If you don't think this is a dream, just root it back to your own basic experience. Is it subjective? Of course it is. You're going to have a different experience than, let's say, Henry will have of the same event. So you give more meaning to the event than the event ever gives to you. And it's about, it's with us, it's the same with everything, yes? Yeah. So you and I are the dreamer of this dream. Okay? Now, we forget that we're the dreamer of the dream. And how does that get, how does that seem to happen? Now, it never does happen. It can only seem to happen. It can appear to have happened to you. But if you don't give your, your interest and attention to it, it will appear not to happen as a you. Yeah? You're it. You're the reality, and you don't need to lend yourself to everything. You could wake up from that little deal. Yeah? So here, you and I are the dreamer of this dream. We forget that we're dreaming this dream. Yeah? Most of us can be in that state, let's say. And in that forgetfulness, we're giving everything we've dreamt the power to affect us. Yeah? Say it again. You and I are the dreamer of this dream. So, and I'm not saying like a big event, dream as a thing, and an activity right now. We're dreaming right now, and our mind is giving meaning to these things, like a chair. If you ever did the lesson to, you know, uh, you and I give everything all the meaning it has, and they have you go over a room and go, and then you look at that before you give the name to it, and you see, what the fuck is that? And then you realize what's going on, yeah, that you are dreaming this place. Alright, you and I dreaming all this dream, we forget that we're dreaming it, and we give us we give everything we've dreamt the power to affect us. Yes? So let's say simply, two women leave me, two different the same event, two different times. One of the women I don't really mean she doesn't really mean that much to me, I'm over it quickly. The other woman I gave the meaning of being the one or the fairy princess. Now I'm totally devastated. The source of all my happiness is gone and stuff like that. The same event a total different experience based on the meaning I gave it. Yes? Yes. All right. So we're dreaming this place 
And what happens is, if you knew that you were the dreamer, you better believe you wouldn't be influenced by all this shit all the time as much as you are. You would realize that you're giving it the meaning it has. It's not giving you a meaning. You're giving it the meaning. You would have the, ho- the horse before the cart instead of being behind the horse getting shit on all day. You would see it. Yeah? You would see it, and in that seeing it, it gives it permission to shift. You don't have to force it or move it. It just gives permission to shift. And it will, and it does. Yeah? And it may become a lot more appropriate to you. You'll feel different. You'll have a sense of wellness as you're traveling. Yeah? You won't be looking to get, but like AA says, you'll be looking to what you can contribute to life, not to take out of life. You'll lose interest in yourself and gain interest in others. All of these things will happen when the mind shifts. Out of what? Out of the obsession or the identification as a self. This is what happens. It's not going to happen to the self. It happens in spite of the self. It's not going to be your new attribute. It's just going to be a attribute. The attribute. It will be attributing with no one as the one who's doing it or having it or being that. Yes? You'll travel lighter. You'll be of service. You'll be available because you're present. That's what happened with me with service. Yes? Service is a way to get out of yourself. It's tried and true for thousands of years. It's the basis of AA, one of the three uh, walls of the triangle. Service, unity, recovery. Extremely, it's not a choice. You have to do it. Because we're up the ass of self, you know? And there's only so many divine proctologists you can go to get pulled out of it. And then you run up there again. So you have to marry one or move in with one or something. Because your tendency is to go up the ass of self. So service brings you out. Yeah? And I've done it thousands of times. And I always clocked it. No matter how, the con- whatever condition I was in, it could have been the worst fucking day I had was having. And then <laughs> ten minutes as I was in this hospital and institution meeting at a detox, my whole attitude and outlook was changed. With no thought or effort on my part. Just going, showing up and being willing to be of service. Yeah? Alright. So this happened hundreds, thousands of times over the years. Then one time, and what I thought was, when I do service, I feel bigger. You know, I feel wider, open, more available. Yeah? And in that state, I sense a presence that I don't see in the sense when I'm up the ass of self. You know? The only sense of presence I feel up there is self's presence, and it's not present. It's a remembrance. Yeah. It's not a present. So, alright, so I feel that availability, and I sense that higher power, we used to call it, whatever you want to call it, or, you know, that presence. Alright, but then the selfing would regurgitate, and then I'd be the one who had that experience of doing service. I felt great, but you, that, that thing that's claiming to have felt great wasn't there. The reason why you felt great is it wasn't there. So what happened, after a period of time, once I did this idea of service, then I recognized I'm that presence. I'm the presence. I'm not that which think, is thinking it's having an experience of the presence. I am presence. And therefore, just quickly, I am available. And if I'm available, I'm of service. So service shifted from an action into a state. Yeah? That's what's reliable. Just like surrender turns into a state of surrendered. You're not playing God anymore. So when you surrender, it's like when you surrender as a self to this higher power of your own making, of course that higher power is weaker than you because you've made it, yes? So you're like a, a big kid, a big bully who gives his little candy bag to a little kid and says keep this and never give it back to me but then when it want when it oh I like that girl I do it oh give me that bag slaps the little kid and takes it back so everyone has this experience surrendering and then I forgot and I've been going through all this turmoil I've got to surrender again then I took it back and I surrendered that's not fucking it that's playing God that's selfing playing God with God Surrendered is you have a sober assessment, you're not managerial quality. Yes? <laughs> Boom. 
to in your innermost, not your mental state, because that shifts, that flips like a, a fish on a dock deck. You know, yeah, I'm totally convinced. Five minutes later, they're drinking again. There's no. This is not what is. This is not where certainty arises in. Certainty arises in the innermost. Yes, like we say, you have to admit to your innermost self, not your mental state. I admitted I was an alcoholic. Tons of the time to get a drink. I admitted I was a drug addict to get another shot. Yeah, I do it at the drop of a hat. That's not it. It's a deeper admittance. Yeah. So in that state of surrendered, surrendered, it's not as exciting as surrendering and taking it back, but it's a whole lot more relaxing because it stabilizes, yeah? And then what happens is the higher power of your understanding, and read the book, read We Agnostics. He says, at, it, at the start, maybe you have to have this idea because we're so up the ass of self, we can't, we have to have it our, our terms, so we, all right, We'll give you the leeway to have a higher power of your understanding. But as you're going to go forward, that's going to change. Yeah? And it did for me, to the point where now I recognize a higher power of its own understanding, which is incredibly revelatory. Because it will blow your conceptual ideas of what this power can do and cannot do. It will blow them away. You'll be incredibly surprised and in revelation of, with a God of its own understanding, a higher power of its own understanding, not yours framing it and making it like a, like a handyman that comes over when you need some help or something, but no, a presence in your life, a fucking tactile, sense-felt presence. Yes. Oneness. Yeah. Let it take you. Go. Why stop? On such a medial point. Abandon yourself. It doesn't mean you. You can never be abandoned. You can abandon your idea of self to, the, to this power. Abandon it. And then when, when you walk away and it starts calling for your attention, you won't think it's you. You won't look back. And you'll be freed from the bondage of self. Your interest and attention will break that fucking slavery that preoccupation, and your interest and attention will be here right now, enriching tonight, instead of enslaving you in yesterday and tomorrow. This water is great. It's a beautiful sound. The the silence is so loud that's allowing that sound to be heard. Do you see it? It's like encased in this incredible infinite space that little tick, 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 tickle, tickle. And by hearing the little tick, tick, you can get the sense of the whole space. You see it reverberating? This whole space is enlivened. It's paying attention to that little sound as you. The whole space is paying attention to that little sound as you. You are that vast open space that goes and goes, oh, here's that. It doesn't lose its size by paying attention to that. That size intimates it by the hearing of it, yeah? You're constantly reminded of what you are, being what you are. To be what you're not, you have to constantly be. You have to be constantly reminded by the mental state to to take what yourself to be is not what you're not. But to be what you are is a constant reminder, with no language, no advertising, nothing. It's just you. Yes, it's never not been, and nor will it ever not be. You can finally rest your head, like it says in the Bible, man. The Son of Man has no place to rest its head. Yeah. You're not going to find rest for your head, ever. You're going to find rest from your head. Mm. So, any questions? You weren't expecting this, were you? <laughs> 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 It's gonna make a big. It's in a. You got served the spiritual subpoena, you know. 
Don't go to the courtroom of the mental courts. Go to the court of light. All's been annulled before you ever thought you ever did anything. All the actions of this body has not left a mark on what you are. It cannot be touched by all these activities. These activities will be forgotten as soon as this thing ends, as if nothing ever happened. Yeah? And then the glory of what's always happening. Yeah. It's cool, it can happen if you just see, just tell the truth about what you're not. Yeah? See all the insinuation, all the pointing that the language and the mental state does that there's a you there. That you're the doer, you're the haver, you're the seer. But have you ever seen it? All you've seen is this body. You've never seen what's behind it. Because there's nothing there as a thing. All right, that's it then. Yes, my final episode on this journey from New Jersey to Cape Cod. <laughs>